The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We want to welcome our online listeners this morning. We are on number 64 in our Identity and Finance series. So let's look at our opening paragraph. Money helps us evaluate a man's heart. Did you know a person can evaluate the condition of a man's heart by looking into his checkbook? Someone please tell me why that's true. Huh? Yeah, so what you spend your money on is what you value. Janie was using the illustration of the penny. Same concept of looking at the moon. They, t- they say that the moon's never larger than your thumb. No matter where you stand in the world to look at it. And it looks so big and beautiful, you know, on the, on the horizon or whatever. But you hold your thumb up to it, it's not going to be bigger than your thumb. That's the concept. Is that Satan wants us to be so focused on that penny that there's no way that you will understand the worldview of the living God. There's no way. So it's true. The word tells us that man's heart is where his money is. Therefore, when we tug at a man's wallet, we tug at his heart. This is a principle God makes use of every day. Most men and women believe that they are the owners of their wealth, and if they are broke, they are the first to blame another for their poverty. God made us for himself, empowered us to live life, and gave us the resources to sustain his kingdom, uh, both here on earth as well as what he is doing in heaven, which is where the resources come from. When any of us attempt to take ownership of his allotted resources, it is classified as stealing or robbing from his storehouse. Someone please read for us Malachi chapter 2, the first few verses. That is the last Old Testament book before Matthew. Starting at verse 8 and uh, going through verse 12, who would like to read that for us? The title being, You Have Robbed God. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be blessed. Be a delightful land, says the Lord. Old Testament, New Testament, 
There is no difference in this principle. So let's talk about this money burning a hole in our, in our pockets. God is the owner and the presenter over all the wealth and material possessions in this world. Even the collectibles that the Antichrist is, is gathering today so we can have power and influence to rule over the world. You see, in order to have power and influence to, to, to rule over the world, Hitler is a classic example of this. What was he collecting? Do you remember? They found it in caves. They found it in vaults. They found it in... What was he collecting? Treasure. Treasure. All the artwork in the world he can get his hands on. All the gold he can get his hands on. He was literally taking the gold out of teeth and keeping it stored in these vaults. You think, for some reason, you think that the movement of the end times is going to be quick, hardened, fast. It's not. There's collectibles going on right now, and even God is in charge of these collectibles. That's our point. So when we compare apples with apples, the price of paper in our pocket, called a dollar, is literally worthless. It has no value. It's the penny in front of God's world vision. You're looking, trying to look through that penny. It's because it's too close to you. And all you have to do is pull the penny away and you've got a world view. That is really the point of, of what I believe God wanted to do through the writing of, of the book of Revelation, the, the final battle. It's just get the penny away. So people can have a world view of what God is doing in the end times. Well, the same thing in personal finances. Pull the penny aside. Paper, money is worthless. One of the news things that's coming out tomorrow on our news site, those of you who are on our email list are going to be getting this sample news release. Um, but one of the things, if you scroll down to the bottom of that email, you're going to discover a news uh, blip on, by 2017, the global economy guys, called G20, are planning to have a complete currency-free society. Okay, and right now you listen to an average commercial and you have Apple Pay in the upper right-hand corner. In Europe, it's Google. It's Google Pay. There's a step that they're introducing to you in 2015, that's this year, that is going to show you that the paper currency has absolutely no value. And it doesn't. Anyone who studies economy knows that the dollar bill has no value. We don't even have the gold to back it. So what's the enemy doing? While we buy our bubble gum? Storing up gold. Storing up artwork. Storing up anything that's got value that has nothing to do with money. 
And then it, there's going to be a system started that has nothing to do with paper and coins that'll turn around and be used to manage the entire world. If you think I'm joking or making up things, wait two years. Because these words will ring back in your ears again. Why is that so important for us? It's because if we think that having that dollar bill in our pocket is burning a hole in our pocket and we got to get rid of this thing or there's value in it or whatever, we're caught up in the penny. <laughs> Do you understand that? That these, these coins that we have in our pocket, that is literally the penny we stick right in front of our eyes. When in reality, God is attempting to communicate something to us that is far deeper. One of the seven churches is the township of Thyatira. And this community was the very first community in, a, in the world civilization as a whole that started money, currency. You'd say, well, how in the world did they function before this? You grew tomatoes and you give them away. You grew green beans and you traded for, for uh, cabbage with someone. It literally functioned the way that God designed the world economy to function. Someone please tell me what the book of Revelation says that there shall come a time when Christians will not be able to buy, sell, or trade. Why is that? What's that? We don't have the mark. And what's the mark got to do with anything? What's that? The mark is the opening door for the global economy. You think that's going to be a chip? Well, that's because that's what they told you in the 70s. It's not going to be a chip. I'll spend more time telling you about more of the system as it is being given to me by literally people in the field out there. But I'm telling you, it will have nothing to do with a chip. Why do you need to be aware of that? Because as Christians, it has already been prophesied there's going to come a time we will not be able to buy. That has to do with Thyatira. Sell. That has to do with Thyatira. Or trade. What are known in America as trades? Wall, Wall Street. So what's, where's that going to leave us? Back to the original system. It's just that simple, guys. It's just that simple. It leads us back to the original system. So now let's take a look at some of the deeper details of God's prosperity. So let's define this miracle that God is calling God's miraculous plan of economy. First of all, we need to define miracle. It's a supernatural power being birthed through a natural event with precise timing to bring glory to God. 
It is a normal, natural, neutral work of God. It's the way God functions. So when we look at Malachi 3.10, thank you, we have the right reference there. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you the blessings until it overflows. You hold your cup up and God will not only fill up your cup, course God being a responsible God there's something being communicated about that cup overflowing for thy cup overfloweth what's the point to share with others irresponsible Christians and I have been there many times believe me hold out my cup to God and want him and expect him to fill it up And when it starts to overflow, I just kind of lap up whatever it is I can. What God is saying there is that I'm going to fill up your cup with blessings, blessings overflowing. And when that, you should expect that cup to overflow and move it over into an empty cup, your neighbor, and let the overflow fill up their cup. And teach them to do the same thing. And the same thing. And that's what the Jewish people have mastered in the world today. That little video clip I wanted to show you is to show you why they are to this day the wealthiest people in the world. They have mastered the art of holding their cup over poverty. And when we forget this principle for some reason, God dries up our cup and then we blame God for not being there for us. God rarely grants permission for him, for us to actually test him in these things. But this is one of the only things that God says, test me in this. And God will respond by proving himself to us. So here's the principles, the five principles of testing God. So many times Christians try to worship God and Satan at the same time. For the love of money is what? It's, it, it's just swap out the name evil for Satan because that's what it is. For the love of money is what? The root of Satan. So what we attempt to do in God's miraculous plan of economy, is blend the two. And we think that God sits back as this emerging God and says, well, this is cool. This will work. I don't think so. So since the love of money is the root of all Satanism, is the root of all evil, the walk from money to Satan is short. It's a very, very short walk in the park. Extremely destructive and offensive to God. When we don't trust God with his money in our possessions, we activate God's judgment so he proposes to test us. The test gets put back on us. And that's when things get a little dicey in our lives. 
Principle number two is the shame uh, to shame other gods, and those are the gods with the little g. And God is actually purposeful in trying to shame all of Satan's little demigods. So I doubt any time true Indoor Christians would agree that money is the god of our present day. This greenback monster has become an idol to the lives of some of the finest prophets of our day. When you look into the church today and see our prophets driving around in uh, Rolls Royces and renting out entire floors of hotels and the list goes on and on and on, you you got to stand back sometimes and go, why? Where are they getting this? There's a young man in uh, Uganda that I asked him to sell his Hummer. I said, that is a ridiculous image you're projecting to us Americans. I said, I can't even drive a car newer than, and then I try to describe Jess's car. And I said, then the, someone that you're asking me for financial support is driving around a brand new Hummer that you had to have shipped in, which costs twice the amount of the vehicle. There's something wrong with that picture. But they're buying into the prosperity doctrine. Do you understand that? So I have to show him, God's filling your cup. You do have a coffer of a great deal of money coming in. God's filling that cup so it can pour out into the poverty ones around him. Well, he does give so much to poverty that he thinks it's okay for him to have these fine pleasures. I'm telling you, the world of Christianity has blended this whole economy of Satan and economy of God into it's very difficult for them to separate. As the world of the Antichrist is expected to seek after money, God desires for his children to seek after him first. Then he will provide all that these individuals who are indwelt by his son after that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Someone want to finish it? And his righteousness and all, all these things shall be added unto you. Not so that you can fill your coffer, so that your coffer can overflow so you can touch more poverty people. Number three, purity of our motives, a requirement of God in order for us to experience his spiritual power in finances is actively seeking him with a pure heart through selfless motives. So reviewing the verse out of Psalm 66, if I regard wickedness, vanity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Of course, that's Old Testament. It doesn't apply to us anymore. God is not going to keep his word in the New Testament. <laughs> you see how ridiculous that sounds? You cannot use the New Testament as a banking card for credit cards. You cannot stop the Old Testament voice of God because of the New Testament. It's the same 
Well, if you want to hear the Lord and you want the Lord to continue to speak to you, these are very important principles for you to review. Number four is lead the unsaved to Christ. Money being used to lead people to Christ? Yeah. It's huge. Because they'll follow it anywhere. You can just have a $1,000 bill and do one of these and people just start following you. God knows that. So does Satan. The reason why Satan knows it because he's been watching God and people with his money. So people follow money. People follow the paper trail. People follow cash. And since it becomes a penny that so easily blinds us and confuses us, he uses that system to keep us trapped from catching on that there's a reason for this money. God wants to use it. So money, or should I say the management of money, can be a powerful tool to lead unbelievers to Christ. When believers are right with the Lord and each other, and when each of them are truly experiencing God's miraculous works of provision, non-believers are drawn to Jesus and the local churches they attend. In this arrangement I was referring to earlier, in this discussion I was having with a couple individuals uh, in this community, I said from the day that I say yes to having our little fellowship be in this gentleman's building is the day I will never appeal to him for anything again. I said I will never ask money from this man, ever. Now, why would that be a biblical principle? As Janie knows, there's been many times in the years of ministry we have been in, I've slid very large checks back in front of people saying, from this day forward, there will never be a discussion of money with you. Most people who have wealth who give, their giving has an ownership tag connected to it. And plus they have a fear that you're going to want more. And that has to be removed instantly up front. Or you'll never be able to reach them for Christ. So glorifying the, the name of the Father is number five. God is not going to share his glory with Satan. That is just a joke. Since the love of money is the root of all evil, those who love money, Christian or not, are covertly glorifying Satan instead of God. Now, if you just buzz by that statement as, as I stated it, um, there's no way that all five of these principles are going to make an impact on you. So, Jane, you want to reread that uh, sentence again for me? Since the love of money is the root of all evil, those that love money, Christians or not, are covertly glorifying Satan instead of God. Sometime this week, particularly you online listeners, I want you to Google glorifying Satan. The numbers you are going to find connected with those 
two words on Google are so minimal, it does wake you up a little bit. And then go Google glorifying God, particularly God the Father. Millions of references. Here's my point, guys. To have the average Christian, Christ follower, or indwelt Christian, those who have the Holy Spirit, literally understand the connection of money, the love of money is worshiping Satan, is something he wants to hide. He doesn't want it out. I'm letting the cat out of the bag. It is his number one goal and objective in life is to be glorified like God and he's using money to get the job done. Plain and simple. Here's our identity statement for today. It says true into all Christians live in two worlds at the same time. Man's reality and God's reality. The world of the Antichrist is seeking to drag us into bondage by how we individually choose to handle our money. He, Satan, is not able to control our lifestyle unless he is able to enslave us through debt. His system of economy always pulls us down to earth with the same force that the earth calls our bodies to the grave. It is like gravity, and it will have its way unless another force overrides the laws of gravity. This is where the realm of God comes in. There's nothing that we can do, guys. Nothing. To stop this downward process of grave, gravity comes from grave. There's nothing we can do that God is going to bring this whole world system to this grave. Nothing. It's like gravity. But what delivers his children out of that grave into the kingdom of light is the life of Christ. If you were a listener and you were a follower of Christ, you're going to hell. If you're a listener and you have the life of Christ living inside you, you're going to heaven. You will be removed from the grave consequences of God imploding this world. And you will be placed on a new earth, on a, in a new Zion, a new Jerusalem. Because you have been taken out of man's reality and put into God's reality and placed into heavenly places. Colossians chapter 3. But if you're a Christ follower, you're no different than a Mason. If you're a Christ follower, you're no different than a Mormon. If you're a Christ follower, you're no different than an Antichrist. Yeah, you got to understand, this man is going to present himself as a Christ. Some of you over in India, some of you in Africa, some of you in Syria that are listening right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Yes, us Americans have the tendency to be a little deceived by our own godhood, but I'm telling you this. You understand the basic principles of following a Christ. But Jesus Christ is the only one to follow. And that is only for the purpose of encountering the cross so that you may receive Jesus Christ into your mortal body. 92% of the Christians you talk to say they have the Holy Spirit living inside them. Out of that 92%, 10% understand the indwelling life of Christ. What it means to have the mind of Christ. What it means to have the life of Christ. What it means to have the power of Christ. What it means to not constantly be learning and denying the power thereof. Text me at 602-292-2982 and ask me some questions about what does it really mean to have the indwelling life of Christ. You need to understand the difference in following a Christ and being indwelt by the Christ. Father, I want to thank you for the blessed privilege of this truth going into the hearts and minds of people all over the world. I pray in Jesus' name that you will take this new news site and you will multiply your efforts so that it will be used to lead people back to the big question, how do I have your son's indwelling life in me? I pray that would be the question asked, Father, more and more every single day. Whether you use money, politics, it doesn't make any difference. Father, that people are led to ask, who is your son and how do I get him in my mortal life? Father, I want to thank you for this mission. I want to thank you, Father God, for those who do ask the right question. And I pray that this message, Father, would be used to appeal to the hearts that you have selected to receive it in Jesus' name. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.